0: I think this is the biggest success in your life to be more than you were like a year ago. But I think you can't go there without challenges.
1: On this episode, I talk with Vera Maslova, the founder and CEO of Science Me, a new venture producing events and courses related to art, philosophy, science, people, and management. But the part of the conversation that I really enjoyed is about resilience and mindset. Vera arrived here a year ago from Russia an accidental refugee from unexpected world events. In our conversation, she talks about her own unique lived experience and how all of us can grow, thrive, and prosper, even through adversity. I'm Brett Waters. I've been in Silicon Valley my entire life, immersed in the world of entrepreneurship, innovation, and venture capital. I run a startup accelerator program named Fourthly. This is the Fourthly Podcast. Morning, Vera. Hi, i Brett. So maybe we can start by just um, giving us an introduction of Yourself, what do we need to know about Vera?
0: I'm always uh begin introduction that I'm enjoying life, but then
1: that's a good place, <laughs> good place to start.
0: But then, yeah, I'm saying that um, the founder of their platform educational platform, Science Me,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: this is the company we're doing different events, lectures, courses in art, philosophy, science, people management.
1: You must be smart.
0: (laughs) I don't feel this way because always that we do the (laughs) events, their people are brilliant, (laughs) but I'm always learning.
1: (laughs) Tell us how this started.
0: That's an interesting question. My parents are scientists, and Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it's actually, I didn't want to go to science, but I didn't know the life happened, and I was doing my PhD in philosophy and art, and I was thinking, like, I'm surrounded with, brilliant scientists brilliant philosophers how they talk about art how they talk about museums and everything that surrounds us and i was thinking why only 10 people in the room are listening to them i want thousand of people i want 500,000 people that would listen Very to high. what they say because this is they're amazing stories. They're really experts in their field. Not like sometimes bloggers are giving the content. Mm-hmm. And so six years ago with my colleague, um, we decided to try. And um, first we made uh, a few events in the biggest museum in Moscow. It's was Stratikov Gallery.
1: Nice. And Are are these programs that you put on, are they in-person programs or are are they via video? How does this work?
0: We started in person first four years. We were doing maybe three years mostly in person, but then Uh the lockdown happened and Uh I just told my team, like, we stop or we do something else. And all the team said, yeah, let's do something else. And we started doing a lot of online uh, things. Yes. We started doing to B2B because before we were mostly business to customers. Uh,
1: so produce, so producing, producing programs for companies who want to produce a program for their employees, for example.
0: Yes, we started in mm-hmm. the beginning producing events for the customers of the clients. So for example, their mm-hmm. bank want to show that they're becoming uh, like a leader in sustainable development, and mm-hmm. we invent the event online or hybrid about sustainable, where we invite I don't know the director of sustainable development, but also we invite different directors of our other foundations.
1: So I loved I loved your origin story where the uh, where the idea came from because um, so I always tell my students that most great ventures begin with an entrepreneur who notices a problem worth solving. And so if I understand what you said correctly, what you said was that you grew up with parents who were world-class scientists. And so a lot of the people who they had around them and who you kind of socialized with and got to know were, you know, just these amazing, accomplished, smart people. And you thought to yourself, it's such a privilege that I had a chance to grow up being surrounded by these really amazing, smart people across all these different disciplines. But, you know, many people don't have that same exposure. And so how could I bring, you know, exposure to brilliant, smart, expert, amazing people to a wider swath of consumers? Is that accurate?
0: Absolutely. I remember the story there was a woman who was is- there are like about 20 people who are the best world scientists that are working about fogs. Well. Wow. And I was thinking, oh my God, like fog will never think about fogs or wolves. The same thing with wolves. Yeah. There's one yeah, yeah. woman, she is like the best expert about wolves behavior. She is like almost living among them. Yeah. She can tell everything yeah. about the behavior. I didn't know that wolves actually care so much about the old species. So they're like family, and there is so many interesting things that I thought, why nobody knows about it? And mostly scientists are not interested in PR or even sometimes writing not scientific
1: books. Uh, yeah, right.
0: They're just not, like, they're really into the science. And-
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're good. Scientists, scientists are good at writing a research paper. And maybe, the, maybe, maybe they're even good at delivering a lecture about the research paper. Yes, but, but something like putting on a an event and promoting the event yes. is not something most scientists are very good at.
0: Yes, and it's also their 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 exposure was bit in universities too, because universities usually, I'm not saying about like Stanford or Berkeley, but most of the universities <laughs> they don't have actual resources. For this yeah. science communication, this field is called science communication. So,
1: science communication. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, this is another problem that we're solving: is that um, uh, brilliant sci- brilliant scientists often are not particularly good self promoters, and they don't have the budget to uh, to promote their work,
0: and they don't know how so to do that usually, and they
1: don't know how to do it yes. right, right, right. So, give us an example of ape to or event that your business produced that you thought was a great event and a great example of the kind of thing Mm. that you do very well. Give us one example.
0: Thank you for this question. I'm proud of this thing. Uh, we've made series of events of like internal topics. It was Hmm. event about death. Uh, it was was called literally conversation about death conversation about Uh, happiness, about love, oh. uh, about being lazy, um, and
1: <laughs>
0: uh, and uh, there was an event conversation about solitude. And there was solitude more mm. than like there was more than one thousand registrations, and people mm-hmm. were selling registrations. Like mm. the, the people from my team, they showed Vera like we see that people are like. They want to attend but we closed it very quickly and it just oh
1: so they were reselling people were reselling their uh, yeah. their tickets
0: and it that's was funny. it was right. interesting we invited like a philosopher an artist a scientist yeah. in, about uh, about uh, like a philosopher how it was like in ancient Greek because I think a lot of topics that's what we were trying to do we were trying to find the topics that would really touch all of us but at the same time, even different attitude about this question. And uh, it, it was it was really great. I always had goosebumps. And I love this moment wow. when and what I'm saying about enjoying life, I think um, like we can understand life through science, art, philosophy religion, and someone saying myths, there is nothing else like it's anything that we would say is a part of this five um, things. And I think just showing people that there are much more variety that you can enjoy, like the books, the movies, the exhibitions, or different people that you can listen to, I think that's what I love, like to build these bridges between really different fields, because business, I think also is it like, how to understand future, how to see the trends, like what is, because scientists are the same as entrepreneurs, they see the future, but in different ways, the same as artists, but they just like give it yeah. in a different way. So I think there's yeah. so much in common between us.
1: So it sounds like you're very interested in, um, in cross-disciplinary discussions. So in other words, you know, discussions between an artist, a mathematician, a engineer and a philosopher.
0: Maths is a kind of art. Like, yes, we made it also the event between maths and artists. There is so much in common, and also musicians because music, it's also like kind of language of maths. So but, uh, and, and it's also what I wanted to add, Brad, it's always interesting because I think when you're a brilliant expert in any field, people feel so much bored to talk to anyone. But when you bring the brilliant person close to you for the conversation, I always see how their eyes are shining. <laughs> and it's such a yeah. miracle when people are brilliant in different fields, but they talk to each other. There's
1: a terrific book that came out many years ago by a guy named uh, D- Douglas Hofstadler called um, uh Escherbach, The Eternal Braid. Mm-hmm. And it's about how the um, how the music of Johann Sebastian Bach, the mathematics of this guy, Girl, and the art of M.C. Escher, um, kind of the, the golden thread that connects those three things. Mm-hmm. And I remember that book making a really big impact on me because, you know, at, at first glance, you know, musicians do their thing. Mathematicians do their thing. Artists do their thing, and those are very different. And so the idea of writing a book about how uh, how there's commonality between the works of a great musician, the works of a great mathematician, and the works of a great artist, is fascinating to me. It was kind of the first time I'd heard of this concept of, uh, I don't know, cross-disciplinary philosophy.
0: That, that's amazing. I also think, actually, all the fields became, like, separately not very long ago. It's like 300 years yeah like sure one thousand years yeah they were all together and uh and like theology, yeah. like theology yeah it was philosophy right theology so i think it's it's very recently that we separated but i think it, it's it's that's right it's actually a trend in science this interdisciplinary research yeah there are a lot of right now and i'm so happy about it because i will feel that it's 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 we're all connected.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's why we that's why we find somebody like like Leonardo. So so fascinating is that the guy was an expert artist. He was also an expert uh architect, he was an expert um philosopher and he was an expert inventor, right? And um, you know, uh and and we and we have this term, a renaissance man, basically referring to somebody like uh like Leonardo. Um and those don't really exist today because, as you said, today, you know, those disciplines have become very, um, uh, very compartmentalized where you choose early on in your life, you choose, you know, a path that I'm going to study, uh, engineering or I'm going to study uh, art or I'm going to study music. And so the idea of somebody being an expert across several disciplines is, is amazing to us. But as you said, the ancient Greeks, um, the ancient, um, Persians, um, you know, Some of the leading thinkers of the day were thinking thinkers across several different disciplines. Okay. So Vera, you told us a uh, particular program you produced that you loved. Now tell us a program that you have not yet produced, but you would like to.
0: Oh, that's an interesting question. I I know a lot of scientists that I adore and also entrepreneurs, and I really Mm -hmm. want to bring them together. There is a bit of this is doing, um, as I mentioned before, like Berggruen Institute in Los Angeles. There are some people that are trying to do this, but I think that, and like there is a Google talks, for example, TEDx is some way also connected and TEDx, it's also science communication.
1: TED, yeah, Yeah. TED. Yeah, Yeah. yeah.
0: so, but I think, I think there is always much more demand than supply, and I would really love to do more of this kind of conversations and discussions,
1: Perhaps.
0: connecting very different fields. So, and, and, and yeah, like, and also the people from 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 museums, like National Gallery in London or Matt Museum, right. and also like writers and yes, and right scientists. So. Yeah, I I have actually a very long list of people that I left
1: to invite. So let's talk about the business model. So we started out before the pandemic and produced some programs and were those programs produced in in Moscow?
0: Yes. In the beginning? Yes.
1: yes. In the beginning. And those were so those were in person and they were in Moscow. Mm-hmm. And then the and then the pandemic hit. And uh, and you did some virtual programs? And now you've relocated to Silicon Valley and you've done some B2B programs. In other words, companies that have hired you to produce um, events. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those are kind of, those are all kind of different business models, right? And so tell us your thinking right now for the venture in terms of how you want to scale it into the future.
0: Uh, I would love to do more uh, business to business and, and mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. way, some of them would be a record. So it's some way between um, Masterclass and Coursera, mm-hmm. Masterclass, yeah. what I really miss about it is like everything is recorded and you don't have like any engagement with the speakers and they're all celebrities. But what I really feel, there are a lot of brilliant people who have not or not celebrities that we would talk yeah. about. And what I would really love that people that there would be some kind of format that they can ask questions, like in a written form, or some way that. Can, because I feel the passive knowledge is very low efficiency.
1: When you were talking about engagement, I was thinking about how, um, you know, a few years ago when Cor- when Coursera hit the scene and, and Udacity, um, And there was this whole new sector called MOOCs, Massive Online Open Classrooms. Um, And there was this feeling like, um, you know, these things are going to take off and take over the world. And higher education as we know it is going to get disrupted by all these new online uh, sources of knowledge. And it didn't really happen. And part of the reason it didn't happen is because, as you said, the engagement level of sitting and watching a video is completely different than the engagement level of being in a classroom with a live lecturer surrounded by other students asking questions right it's a whole different experience and a whole different level of engagement um i remember that somebody explaining it to me once that there's 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 lean back learning and there's lean forward learning and so when you're watching tv you're leaning back right you're you're leaning back and watching tv and leading forward learning is when you're sitting in the classroom when you're leaning forward because you're so interested in what the professor is saying, and you're so interested in asking a question.
0: It's a huge challenge for all education yeah. systems, all the countries speaking about this and nobody have the answers. Yeah, I think there are more questions than answers in this field, but it's definitely um, that there are so much knowledge and skills that we need to work on and universities are a bit low to give that uh, and so I, a lot of people are saying about crisis in education yeah. and uh, right. but i think crisis is always given a lot of opportunities too
1: <laughs> that's right with crisis always comes opportunity so you've been an entrepreneur now for a couple of years Three or four years, whatever it is, and I'm sure you've learned. Sure, you've learned a lot along the way, as as all of us do. And so, if somebody today was a new entrepreneur, had a new idea, it was just just about to go down the startup path for the first time. What what advice would you give
0: them? Uh, I would say it's it's believing in yourself. I think, and Mm -hmm. in, in your idea. And no matter how many no people would tell you, believe that there would be yes, like just counted mm-hmm. 99 no, it means you're closer to your yes.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh, also being in different communities where other people support you. I think also <laughs> mentors and coaching, it's good from your field. Every time I had mentors, I was feeling how mindset is growing. And when my mindset was growing, how the company was growing, it was unbelievable for myself. But I just saw that. So I think, sometimes we think that what we're doing is that way. But mentors can really scale your mindset. And I think go into your accelerator, Brett, because you have wonderful mindset that you share. And you also connect people connecting to people, I think is also important. I don't I don't like this word, but I don't know how to say in different words. But building personal brand, I think is also important because no matter yeah. no matter what you do, you already have the audience that like you. And even if you make ten pivots, people would still be with you because they like the way you do it or your idea yeah. or anything.
1: I study the reasons why startups succeed and fail. Right? That's kind of my my field. It's trying to understand why do some startups succeed and some startups fail. And there's a whole bunch of reasons, of course. But I actually think that it really distills down to mindset, that, that there are some people who are great entrepreneurs because they've got the right mindset. And, um, and you meant, you just mentioned a minute ago about, you know, you got to get 99 no's in order to get to the one Yes there are only certain people who have the mindset to be able to do that. Right. And that's actually a perfect segue into my last question for you, Vera. So um I met you just about exactly a year ago and, um, and you had just, just stepped off a plane. You're a Russian girl who, just arrived in Silicon Valley, you found out that none of your credit cards or debit cards worked because the US had turned off all the financial systems connected to Russia. And, um, uh, and over the last year I've gotten to know you, my wife and I've had dinner with you a few times. Not only are you one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life, you also have this amazing attitude, this amazing mindset that you are always positive um, despite adversity you faced in your own life and adversity you faced in your career as an entrepreneur, you're always positive about everything, and you're very intellectually curious, um, and you have resilience. I guess that's probably the bottom line: is you have you have smarts and resilience like nobody I've ever met in my life. And so, how did that how did that happen for you? And what advice can you give other people? especially other entrepreneurs about how to get to that point where you have that mindset, that kind of positive and resilient mindset. Any advice?
0: You are so kind to me. Thank you so much, Brad. I I would make a funny advice and maybe some
1: more serious. (laughs) Good. My favorite advice is funny advice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I love it. And actually it works. So I have a friend, he is a very great dancer and he (laughs) said, where no matter what happens in your life, just do squats every day, and your ass will be always good. This thing you can control <laughs> and I love it because it works, so anything that happens, you can do something that you would really enjoy <laughs> and uh, yes, but maybe to be serious, I think um, for for me, I think the biggest success is to grow from the things that are given in your life by, I don't know, like your where you were grown, like there is school where you're going, the university, people mm-hmm. around to grow from this thing. I think this is the biggest success in your life to be more than you were like a year ago. But I think you yep. can't go there without challenges, without, I don't know, like hard times, without people that disappoint you, without everything that are like hard moments. So I think yeah, yeah. any challenges that you have, it means, oh, that's good that you have it. Like this is the next step to go forward. So you would be yeah, yeah. like bad after that. And um, I, I, I mean, it's, it's always hard to say, but I think, um, yeah, just, knowing what is giving you energy every day
1: there's a uh, faculty member at stanford named carol dweck she's a very famous uh, she's a very famous child psychologist and um, she's developed this framework called growth mindset and fixed mindset basically what it says is that there are some kids who feel as if the iq that they're born with is the iq they'll always have and there are other kids who feel like um, I can always learn more. I can always get better. I'm not good at math right now, but with some hard work, I can become good at math. And so she basically concludes that people who have a growth mindset are the ones who go on to more success in life. And so part of what you just explained was a growth mindset, meaning that you always believe that you can improve yourself, that you can learn more things, that you can get better. Um, and people who have that a bit, that that belief that they can constantly improve themselves um, are the people who achieve in life. And also, my personal belief is that there's just no substitute for hard work. That you know, at the end of the day, achieving stuff is just a whole lot of hard work. And so, I think you sum that up nicely with the fact that if you do squats. Every day, your ass will look good.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: And I think, that's, I think that's a good note to end on. Thanks, Vera.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. That was such a pleasure. Thank you.
1: This has been the Fourthly Podcast. If you have ideas for future episodes or people you think I should interview, send me an email at, at com. And don't forget to rate and share this show. It really helps. Until next time, I'm Brett Waters. Thanks so much for listening.